Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Hey, just a quick update as we start uh, moving forward into this uh, last month, I believe, uh, before we start regathering. Uh, Obviously, for most of you who have been following along and know the details, we uh, have a new space that we renovated and uh, the the, the new space that we're going to be in and we're going to be meeting in as a church uh, is almost finished. So the renovation has begun. They're tearing out a lot of stuff, bringing a lot of stuff in. And it's well on its way. So the good news is, is that's going fantastic. Uh, it's coming along. It's going according to schedule. We're estimating uh, the first week of November will be our first gathering. Now, I don't want to give you the exact date and say it's the first date of November, the first Sunday of November yet. I just want to make sure that we're on track. But we're 90% sure that's the time frame that we're looking at. And so kind of estimate a little over a month from now, we're going to be gathering again in services and uh, believing God to do something great. Between now and then, we have a lot of gatherings happening. We have also uh, not just gatherings happening together with our connect groups, but we have events happening that you can find on our website, as well as uh, two specific uh, corporate large gatherings, outdoor gatherings uh, for our church. And you just have to keep following along with our social media and our website to find out the details on all of that. But we will be gathering outside before we gather inside together. And uh, more details are coming soon. We'll be giving you that very soon. So thank you for trusting us through this season. Thank you for trusting us to guide you through this season. Uh, it's not in any pastor's lifetime that I know that they've had to navigate a global pandemic. And so to say, you know, the least, uh, we appreciate, <clears throat> appreciate you so much for trusting us to guide you through and pastor you through uh, the insanity, the chaos, all the stuff that we see going on in the world. Uh, let's just continue to stay unified and stay committed to what we know is true, what we know is important, and what we know God is doing. This morning, I want to talk about Maintaining space to see God. Maintaining space to see God. This message came to me and it's been stirring in me for a particular purpose. Uh, the first purpose would be obviously, you've been hearing me talk as, a, as your pastor about the necessity and the importance of entering into this season of our church with prayer and presence as such a foundation and priority and a mandate for our lives and for our church. Uh, Jesus made prayer in the presence so foundational to his ministry, to his life. He showed us so much that he prayed often, he prayed early, he prayed late. His disciples asked him to pray. And one of the things I've been trying to encourage our church in is that as we are moving forward in the season and really beginning to reset the atmosphere, reset what is, we're believing will be uh, the holiday season into the next year, uh, is to really make sure that each one of us uh, is taking time to keep our own spirit in the right place and in the right space, and to really reset those rhythms. And I'm talking about this for that purpose, but also for this purpose. Over the years, I've noticed that uh, as I've pastored people, when I ask Christians in our church, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Just tell me what's going on in life. A lot of times, the response I get and the thing that's said to me uh, is often along these lines. They wish or they want or they need or desire to um, 
make more time for God. Make more time for his word. Make more time for his presence. Make more time uh, for God. And they'll often preface that with this. They'll say, work has got me stressed out. Life's got me stressed out. I'm just coming and I'm going. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I've noticed that, that, that people who say that often don't really realize uh, they say that about a lot of things in their life. And not only do they say that about a lot of things in their life, they'll continue to say this throughout the years because people are often wise enough to recognize what's off in their life, but they're not intentional enough to make decisions to change it. And so I'll hear that a lot from people. I just wish I had more time for God. I, I wish I could make more time for church. I wish I could make more time. And granted, yes, there are seasons where, like I know some of our, our people who are in nursing school going you know, six days a week to school and working on a Sunday and trying to fit wife and or husband and, and kids and working out and all of that in between. I get that. But all of our life is not supposed to be like that. And all of our life shouldn't be like that. There should be enough rhythm and space in our life for us to enjoy God and enjoy the life that we're building. And we started talking at the beginning of the year about making room, making room for God and for the things that matter. In fact, I would say that when we had everybody write down those requests and those cards about what they wanted to make room for, the majority of them were time with God, time with family, and time with friends. Basically, the circles that matter most in your life are the things that everybody is trying to grab a hold of as well. We started talking about making room. So when we make room, here's the thing. Once we make room, we have to maintain that room and maintain that space. It's not enough to just make room. You have to maintain the room that you make. And time is one of the biggest things for all of us, that always seems like it's slipping away. And if we don't have a right mindset and a right understanding about time, then we'll always fall into that category of saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for the things that are important. Come on, all of us, we, we feel like time is being robbed from us. Whenever you go to the grocery store, nine out of ten of you will, will go to the line of the grocery store and you'll look for the shortest line. And if it means walking six lanes over because there's two, amen, see, people know, we know, we, we all do it. We, we walk up and we say, oh man, that's a long line. Gosh, I could be here a whole four extra minutes. I can't do that with my life. Oh, there, that line. And I'm telling you, every time I do that as the Lord God of the universe is my witness. That line ends up taking twice as long as the three long lines that I avoided. Every single time. And every time I'm almost betting to myself, God, you're going to teach me again that you're in control of time and that I can't, I can't make this happen faster. Every single time. Someone will be in that short line and go, oh, my car doesn't work. Oh, hang on. Can I run out to my car? And I'm sitting there, you know, and I can't do this publicly because then people might recognize me. But internally, I'm rolling my eyes going, oh my God, I've done it again. Every time, right? We're always trying to, to move a little faster. Whenever we see the lane on the highway, you know, there's a lot of cars in the right lane, but the left is pretty clear and it stops right here in this lane, but it's, it's clear clear in this other lane, man, we try and zoom over and get 10 cars ahead before we can get to the exit. Why do we do this? We're always trying to save time. Why do we try to park so close to the front door of the store as if 10 parking spaces down is just too much cardio for us? 
majority of us who don't have any health issues, it's not a big deal for us to walk 10 extra parking spaces. But for us, we just feel like we're being robbed. We'll circle around the parking lot for five minutes just trying to find 10 spaces closer. Or we'll push the elevator button five times after we've pushed it once as if somehow the elevator is going to be pressured into moving faster down to us. Look, time is always something we're trying to gain. And it's something we feel robbed of. But let me tell you something. Time is something that we are called to steward. Time is something that we are called to steward. And in, in, in most people that I've pastored through the years, I've, I've learned people steward their time the way they steward their finances. And basically, with time, they hoard everything they can and fear losing it. And people do the exact same with their finances. They hoard everything that they can because the mindset and the foundation that people have is that they're losing it. They're losing time. They're losing money instead of recognizing, no, you're actually stewarding time and you're stewarding money and you're stewarding relationships. I mean, this is why God instituted biblical, God-honoring Christ-centered, eternally-minded principles for us to follow along when it comes to life and time and money and relationships. He instituted sowing and reaping principles that we're supposed to understand about time and about money. So that why? So that we know who our source is. So that we know where our help actually comes from. You see, tithing and, and time management are not just honoring God. It's to actually keep you from living stressed out thinking that you can make this thing go faster. You can make this life go faster. You can make your money go faster. Look, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. I've always loved this verse. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Look, we honor God with our finances because we trust that God is the provider. We don't honor God out of guilt or, or uh, manipulation or uh, a sense of duty. Uh, we, we honor God because we understand it's him who gives us everything. And because he's given me everything, I'm going to be a good steward of it. Look, when you borrow somebody's car, you don't return it wrecked. You take good care of it. When you, borrow, when you house it for somebody, you don't trash the house. You leave it clean. You, you take care of it. It's the same thing with life and time and money. And when we begin to see through that lens, it helps us keep the right space between us and the thing that we're called to manage, the thing we're called to steward. Notice how you don't feel more safe uh, whenever you save more money. You actually feel more fearful of losing what you've gotten because that will never resolve within us without God. It's the same with, with time. I love this verse too. Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us, God, to number our days, to take stock on how to maintain, make room, manage, be good stewards of our time and give us a heart of wisdom to do that. I only got a certain amount of time with my kids. I've only got a certain amount of time in people's lives before maybe God shifts them or moves them or their life stage is different or, or changes happen. Notice you don't, you don't feel a lot of peace a lot of times about getting older. Well, you might be anxious about the years you're losing. Well, we need to get a proper perspective on time. Everybody's got the same amount of time. God gives us to it, us, it to us to steward. Look, Luke chapter 17, verse 33, Jesus said this, whoever seeks to preserve his life will actually lose it. 
but whoever loses his life will keep it. Jesus was trying to get us to focus on the eternal, the larger picture of what we're actually doing here. And so for many people, uh, maybe your lives are filled, your schedule's filled, your, your rhythms are set, but you still feel unfulfilled at times. Well, think about this. Perhaps you're more, consi- you're, you're more committed to consistent motion than clear direction. Could it be that just busyness is that, that badge of honor that you and I have been taught to wear uh, and wear it proudly? Come on, whenever you go to the family reunion, whenever you go to grandma's house, they say, what are you doing? You just, oh, just keep them busy. Just staying busy, you know? And, and when we say we're busy, then everybody kind of backs off and says, oh, you're responsible. You never say, sitting around watching Netflix, eating Doritos, doing nothing with my life, dreaming of nothing, have no vision, have no purpose, no sense, don't love anybody, don't care. No, we don't, we don't say the things that we know affect our lives and are, 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 we're tempted to be affected by in our lives. No, we say, oh, we're busy. Busy doing what? Busy doing this, busy doing that. And we fill up our lives with all kinds of things. And before you know it, we have consistent motion. But you need to ask yourself in this season, especially in this last season now that you've slowed down, because you've been shifted and altered in your consistent motion, is this a time for clear direction? Is this a time to make room for God and then make space and maintain that space to see God so that you're not wandering through seasons consistently. Look, there's seasons in life where you're going to hit speed bumps and they're going to shake the car and you're going to spill your coffee. Uh, There's this one Starbucks by my house. You would think that the speed bump is one of the mountains in the Rocky Mountains. It's so big. And every time I have to be careful because my truck shakes and if I'm holding the coffee, it's going to spill on my hand or spill on my seat. It's just a huge speed bump within the parking lot. Life is filled with speed bumps. They come, they shake us, but we're supposed to get back on solid ground. We're supposed to know the direction that we're heading. How do we remedy this? How do we remedy the busyness that we wear as a badge of honor? Well, we have to think bigger than the culture that we live in. In the culture that we live in, I'm busy is the badge of honor that we tell people we have. It's what we show people. And we can rattle off our schedule, our accomplishments, our achievements, our goals, the things we're reaching for. I want to take you to the book of Joshua this morning. Go to chapter 3. book of Joshua is a phenomenal, phenomenal account of the people of Israel, of, of Joshua and his life and how he led. I'm going to go to verse 2 through 5. It says, After these days the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. And when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance, aka maintain some space of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. The Ark hosted the presence of God. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant was the visible representation of God's presence for the people and with the people. 
when people wanted to know where the presence of God was, they didn't come to Grace Avenue Church. They didn't come to a building. In the Old Testament, the people looked for the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant hosted the presence of God. Only the priests moved with the Ark of the Covenant. And wherever the Ark went, that's where the people went. And here Joshua is responsible to host the presence of God, host God within the Ark. And the priests are to go forward. See, the the people of Israel at this time had been freed from slavery, from Egypt, And they were trying to get to the promised land. Moses had already passed away. Moses had passed on leadership to Joshua. Joshua has assumed this role of leadership. He's now leading the people. Side note, who are your Joshuas? If you're in business, if you're in ministry, if you're a a manager of a team, who are your Joshuas? It's a good season to to, to determine right now who's, who's actually interested and who's invested. Okay, Judas was very interested. He was always around. But who are the ones that were invested? Invested people have a marked difference from interested people. Jesus drew interested people, but he led invested people. Just a little side note there, Chuan. Might be a good time for you to kind of recognize who's actually hungry for the things that you're doing, the things that you're trying to lead, the things that God's put on your life. I'm always looking for Joshua's. And Joshua's, I don't have to look very far. I just look at who's, who's invested. Who's actually invested in the thing that I'm trying to lead, trying to be passionate about. Um, Joshua sends these spies into the land. And they go check out the promised land. They're surveying it. They're checking it out. They're trying to see what's going to work, what's not. Can we do this? Can we take this land? Or can we go into the place that God has promised us? And they decide to cross the Jordan and enter the promised land. Now, God had already told the people, follow me on this. God had told the people to wait for three days. In Joshua chapter one, he says this. I want you to wait three days at the shores of the Jordan River. And and all that time, when they get to the shore and they're, they're waiting, that time of year, when the spring rain had come, the Jordan River was turned into this rushing, raging, rapids type of river where the reality of actually crossing that thing Seems impossible. Think about this. You've been freed from slavery. People have been wandering for 40 years. Moses has passed on. He talked about this forever. Joshua has been given charge of the people. He's to lead them into the promise. But the reality is the greatest obstacle that you could ever think of is standing right in front of them. A raging river. Now the spies had gotten across because they found a way. But it's easier to take a couple of spies who who risk a raging river than it is for you and your family and your children and your livestock and your possessions and your tent and all of the stuff to try and cross that. That's nearly impossible. And the people saw this. What am I saying? God will often let you face impossibilities to show you that you cannot cross over into the next season without him, without his intervention. And if all you do is see the raging river, if all you do is see the impossibilities, then you may miss the miracle that God is trying to do. That Grace Avenue's story, our entire story is filled with impossibilities. The new space that we just moved into came at the very last minute. We had already determined to move from where we are. And it, the reality was we didn't know where we were going next. 
God will let us see impossibilities. See them, not just experience, see them. And this is what the people were facing. Now here is what's interesting. Go back to verse four. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance, a.k.a. maintain space between you and the presence of God. See, they had to make room and maintain space to see what God was doing and to see where God was leading. It wasn't enough that they'd seen God move before. Take note of that. It wasn't enough they'd seen God before. It wasn't enough that they knew of God, that they knew who God was and what God was saying. They had to have space between them to see where God was leading, where God was taking them, What are people often missing? I talked about this in the beginning of the message. What are people missing? That time for God, that time to pray, that time for the word, that level of devotion. What has happened when people say that is they've they've filled all their space with everything but the thing that matters most. Look, when you need a drink of water, you need a drink of water. You don't ignore it or you suffer physically. Jesus is living water. When you need to be refreshed in the spirit, you don't let yourself die of thirst. You figure out what needs to go so that something else can give. Think about this. They had to make room and maintain space to see where God was leading them. God wanted the people to have awareness and clarity when it came to his leading of their lives in the future. He did not want them to be able to say, we don't know where God's taking us. He wanted them to be able to see directly ahead, beyond the impossibility, and say, I see God. Right in the the middle of the impossible situation. I see God leading me in the chaos, in the craziness, in the impossibility, in the frustration, in the doubt, in the disappointment. We thought we'd come from the promise into the promised land easily. We thought we were just going to walk it. We thought we're finally here. We're here at the shores. And now we got an impossible situation in front of us. And God's saying, it's through the impossibility that God will lead you. A lot of times we're just wanting God to get rid of it. Make a way. Now, Joshua had seen Moses do this before. Joshua had seen, okay, well, God, you've, you parted the Red Sea for Moses. But even Joshua couldn't... Co- coast off of Moses' miracles. He had to, for himself, stand in the place of impossibility for himself as a leader. A lot of you are crying out for a mentor to teach you how to get through impossibilities. Look, they can teach you all they want, but you're still going to have to stand and trust God in the midst of your impossibilities. You can't coast off your mentor's miracles. You can't coast off your pastor's miracles. I mean, you can draw from them and experience the the character of God and the nature of God and see how God works, but you're still going to have to have courage to stand. I've faced faced this over and over in my life. I mean, for years, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of notes, ridiculous amounts. Because I remember for the last 25 years, I've just taken notes and notes and notes and study and, and can recall things and just saturate myself in stories and how God moves and what God's done in people and churches and, and lives and ministries and miracles, and only to have to face my own impossibilities, my own difficulties, my own challenges, and many times to see God work in a completely different way 
but with the same result, a miracle, provision, opportunity, a door opening. I think we're looking for the easy way a lot of times. When we say, I don't have time for God, and I don't have time to pray, I don't, I don't have time for church, I, don't have, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I can't tithe, I can't give, I can't help anyone, I can't serve, I'm just so busy. Our priorities are off. This is a temporary life. We have an eternity that we're reaching for. We have a kingdom that God is building and brought us into. We have a mission that Jesus has called us to. How long are we going to say, did, we, did the pandemic not change anything in our life? Are we still saying the same things that we said a year ago, five years ago? Let's think about it. Where's our worship in this season? If it's not better, the problem is not worship. The problem is not an online broadcast. The problem lies with your devotion. Just a little check there. We've got to ask ourselves, where do we need to maintain some space between us and the promise of God for life and future? What is God requesting of me? What does God desire from me? Life, time. I'm going to throw a scary scripture in here. Don't freak out. I'm not trying to condemn you, but I just want to speak the reality of what these are the kind of verses that people would hammer on me when I was a kid. Uh, it was uh, when Jesus said, and the day will come where many will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, turn away from me. I never knew you. And they will say, but didn't we do all these things in your name? And didn't we cast out demons in your name and do miracles? And God will say, I never knew you. Look, as a kid, that used to scare the mess out of me. Because I used to recognize the reality. I mean, even as a little kid, the reality of I can, I can say I'm a Christian. I can, I can be in church. I can be busy. But does God know me? How does he know me? Time. Tithe. How I treat people. Like we can say to God, oh, God knows me, God's got me. That's actually more of a scary thing that people say flippantly, God knows me, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart. The reality is I want to make sure that that heart is in a right place before God and that I'm living for his purpose, that I'm living consistent with his calling. Look, God wanted the people to have awareness and clarity when it came to his leading of their lives and the future. The people had to make room and then they had to maintain space in their lives in order to do that. When was the last time you connected to him in such a way that you could see and know and sense where he's leading you? See, as a generation, we're very good about talking about how we feel, okay? Let me honor that and say you can talk about how you feel, but maturity is taking stock of how you feel and asking, what does God want me to do with this moment? When I feel lonely, what does God want me to do in this moment? Just find anybody? Settle for anybody? Hook up with anybody? Trust anybody? No. What does God want me to do with the way I feel? When we take responsibility for that, we see God's leading. We see God's miracles. We see God bring answers. We see God deliver us. But when was the last time you connected him in such a way that you can see, know, and sense where he's leading you? Not for control, but simply for trust as you head towards his promises in life. Okay, so let me close here in the next, next few minutes with this verse, Philippians chapter 4. I want to I talk about how we maintain space and how we make that room and maintain that space. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul is speaking... 
And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, I will say it again, rejoice. You ever tell your kids to do something more than once? And you really want them to listen? God is telling us through this verse, we're to be people who rejoice. He doesn't say rejoice when everything is going great. No, he says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice, not in your life, not in your circumstances, not in whether or not you got the job or kept the job or the bank account's full or it's empty or whether things are going fantastic. No, rejoice in the Lord always. The span of time that encompasses your life, how much time will you have spent rejoicing? How much time will you have spent anxious, fearful, stressed, weighed down? Look, at some point, and we understand this through science, the reality of what stress does to the body, what, what stress and anxiousness and fear do to the mind and the body and the physical effects of that. Guys, you have outlasted a pandemic. You're alive. Maybe, maybe your inability to rejoice is connected to your desire to just reach for what used to be and what was. And maybe it's time to just start fresh with the Lord and say, Lord, do a new thing in me so that I'm no longer bound by the feelings and the sense of loss and the sense of brokenness or the sense of desperation. Lord, I want to be desperate for you, connected to your purpose, longing for you. Jesus, you are everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all, especially on social media. Can you believe Paul said that? He knew in time that we would see social media. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. Let your gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Let your gentleness, the nature of conversation in social media circles, honestly, is embarrassing. It's somewhat humiliating to say you're a Christian and see people invoking the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and behaving and acting and saying some of the things that they're saying. In the name of race, in the name of the flag, in the name of the country, in the name of their finances, you name it, they're saying it from a place that is far from gentle. And sometimes you just have to say, where is that in me? Where are those responses in me? Is, is this how I look in this area of my life? Lord, check me because my gentleness should be evident to all. Not just Christian friends. My gentleness should be evident to all. Look, the closer we get to Jesus, the more gentle we should become. If you're getting older, and getting angrier or getting meaner or more spiteful or more passive aggressive, you need to let the Lord do some healing in your life to bring you back to that gentle place when he received you and loved you. The Lord is near. Verse six, don't be anxious about anything, including the election. Can you believe Paul knew about the election? Look at that. He says, don't be anxious about who's in the country, but in every situation, including the election. Look, there he says it again. In every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And in doing so, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and your minds 
What needs to be guarded more than anything in a Christian's life? Their heart and their mind. When we maintain space in our life to see where God is leading, to spend time in his presence, to rest under the shadow of the Almighty, to stop using the excuses. Some of you could log out of your social media for seven days and pretty much nothing would change if you don't spend that time with space between you and the presence of God. We're often, we're off, often looking for the exterior thing to deal with the interior that God is wanting to deal with. To be, be in his presence. To be near him. Don't let anyone or anything. What does he say when he says rejoice? What he means, be glad. Be delighted. No matter the circumstance because of what Christ has done in us and what Christ has done for us. Look, when we don't have a deep understanding of the gospel, our relationship with God, especially in the West here, Western culture in America, becomes what has God done for me? What is he doing for me? Oh, that was a long time ago, so I guess he doesn't love me. I guess he's not for me. I guess he, that's not a deep understanding of the gospel. The gospel helps us to understand what God has done, what God will do, but more importantly right now, what God is doing in me. What he's doing in me. What he's doing in my life, in my marriage, in my manhood, in my friendship, in my finances, in my life to help me reflect the goodness of God to a world that's in need of a savior. When you see Jesus Christ in all of his fullness, the magnificence of who he is, it changes the way you see people. It changes the way that you see life. Chaos and crisis always reveals character. Chaos and crisis in your life always reveals your current state of character in your life. So whenever we see ourselves flipping out or freaking out, it's not a time for us to condemn ourselves and say, oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a horrible person. No, you're loved by God. And God wants to shift some things, and change some things and make you more like himself. But chaos and crisis that reveal that character just shows us where we are in the moment. But just because that's where you are, that doesn't mean that's who you are. Who you are is a child of God, a, a person who's loved deeply by God. And if God loved you enough to save you, then he loves you enough to sustain you. So think deeply about that love. That's what the gospel is, that nothing in and of ourselves could save us. God, in our own messed up lives, saved us, and God, in our own messed up lives, still loves us, and God, in our own messed up lives, still keeps directing us. Not because of what we do or have done, but because of what he did and what he's done and what he'll continue to do. Gentleness, let that be evident, how we deal with people, how we deal with life. The Lord is near. He's near in every situation. He's near in the impossibilities. Not being anxious. By prayer and petition, not just doing what we want, but pouring our heart out to God. Look, pour your heart out to God in this season. My prayer for Grace Avenue Church is that when we come back, the, the atmosphere would be so saturated by every Christian's pursuit of prayer and the presence of God that we will see amazing things happen in this next season of our church. Be thankful. How do you be thankful? Recount the past. Look at the present. Be faith-filled for the future. Present your requests. 
Sometimes we have a hard time understanding that what we're actually presenting to God is a request, not a demand. I don't know about you, but there's some seventh grade prayers I'm glad God didn't answer. There's some high school time prayers. There's some college age time prayers. There's some relationships I prayed about that I'm really glad they're not in my life anymore. There's, there's friends, there's situations, there's, there's scenarios where I thought I knew God's plan best and I'm really glad he was not taking my counsel. I'm really glad he wasn't leaning on my wisdom, but he was directing my steps. I'm praying for you and praying that for you this morning. Proverbs 19.21, close with this. Many are the pl- plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I want to ask you this morning to make a commitment to main, maintain space between you and the presence of God and to start seeing that in your life. Get enough space between you and God to actually see him. See his work. See his word. To stir a new devotion in your life for the word of God and the presence of God and the purpose of God. I believe God can, in an instant, shift desires, priorities, attitudes, mindsets, places in your heart. In an instant, you can be healed of things and shifted and changed. God can do this. This is the God that we serve. We serve a miracle-working God. All-powerful. That's his nature. This morning, I want to pray this into your life and over your life. Lord Jesus, this morning, would you help us see the beauty even clearer than ever, more than ever, the character of who you are, the calling over our lives. Lord God, I pray that in this season, we would be even more deeply committed to your presence. God, that the excuses would go, that we'd not sound like a broken record, just repeating ourselves about wishing we had this and, and wishing we had more time for you and, and, and hoping and wanting. But Lord, would we be intentional to make room and maintain that room so that we see you for who you are, not just see you for where we want to go, not just see you for what we want, not just see you for what we want you to do. Lord, just see you to know you and enjoy you and learn from you. Teach us to be still, Lord Jesus. Teach us to be still. I pray for anxiousness right now that has settled into people in this season. And I pray for fear that has settled into people in this season. And I pray right now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, their hearts and minds would be guarded by Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, even as I'm speaking, just lift it off of people. Fear about the future. Be gone in Jesus' name. Lord, let expectation and anticipation for who you are rise in this moment. Let people see the beauty of you. Father, today we give you glory for this season. We're thankful even in the midst of the uncertainty in our nation and our climate with all of the arguments going on and the climate of anger and resentment and all the stirring that we see, Lord God. Lord God, help us to speak wisdom in these times. To hear from you. Lord God, we pray for our nation. We pray for what's going on in our nation between people. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy But Lord, you've come that we may have abundant life. Lord, I pray right now 
over the destruction that's happening in various parts of our country. God, would you resurrect hope and life in places where there's brokenness. Brokenness in people, brokenness in cities, brokenness in in systems that we need to see change. God, would you heal and mend and restore and bring to life and revitalize this country for you, Lord, for your name, for your purpose. Lord God, would you make us a nation that's hungry after you, a people that's hungry after you. In your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I'm I'm praying for you in this next week. Remember to keep checking our website, keep checking our social media for events and different things that we've got going on. There will be some larger events where we do come back together. Uh, This will be outside the building. There's some fun stuff we're going to be doing. So I can't wait for you to to keep an eye on that because you'll need to register for it and make sure things are in order. But uh, keep praying for us. Keep pursuing the Lord. And let's keep making room for the things that are important. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.